Amen. Well, hey, it's great to see you. Great to be with you. Uh, again, my name is Brian and one of, the, one of the pastors here. And uh, if we haven't got to meet yet, I would love the opportunity to meet you maybe after the gathering. So uh, feel free to come up and say hello. Uh, I would love to be able to do that. Um, like I said, this is Family Worship Sunday, so things are going to flow a little bit differently today, which means we're going to have just a, a taste of the word right now. So if you want to grab your Bibles and open to Mark chapter 1, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you. You can follow along there, or of course, on your electronic device, if that's better. It doesn't make a difference to me. Um, but we are going to start what is a very brief two-week series today. Uh, that is the definition of very brief. It's only a series if it's two, so that's as brief as it can get. Uh, just called Faces, and we're going to look this week about what it means for us to face Jesus, and then we're going to look next week about the fact that Jesus faces us, and we're going to kind of uh, contemplate both of those things, and so that's going to lead us to Mark chapter 1, and uh, I want to kind of anchor us in what is a familiar passage as we look at the calling of the disciples. So you've probably heard this story before if you've been around church for a while, uh, but I, I want to ask you to listen with new ears as uh, we hear again the way that Jesus did this work. And so Suzanne's going to come and read for us in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 16 through verse 20. Right, good morning, y'all. All right, we're going to be reading Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Follow along if you'd like. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they, had, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little, a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Thank you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, would you take your word and bring it alive in our hearts for all of us at all ages that you would draw us by your spirit. And so God, guard my words that where they come from my flesh, they would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But where they come from your spirit, they would remain. They would penetrate our hearts and we would be changed to be more like you. And so do this work in us, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do in just a few minutes right now is to center us. As we talk about the idea of facing Jesus, we have to think about who it is and what it is that we're turning towards. And that's really the heart of this passage. So in, uh, in, in Mark chapter 1, as you heard Suzanne read, there's a pattern that, uh, depending on your translation, it might have slightly different words, but you'll see consistency between verse 18 and verse 20. So if you want to look, um, Jesus makes uh, that initial invitation, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That's in verse 17. And then verse 18 says this, immediately they left their nets, and followed him. So if you skip down to verse 20, you see that same pattern. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. A three-part pattern. Immediately they left, left their nets, left their father, left the boat, left the servants and followed him. So there's a, an, an immediate question that comes to us because they followed immediately, which is, what are they following? Who are they following? Of course, they're following Jesus. We see that in the passage. But what's the call to follow? What's that look like? 
And Mark has placed it in a way that makes it really simple for us to see. So if you're in verse 16, just look up one verse to verse 15. Jesus has come out of the tempting in the desert and is making what Mark has set up to be like a thesis statement, a, a, a statement of what his ministry would be and what it would be like. And this is the way that he says it. This is verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Mark and Luke use the term kingdom of God again and again in Jesus' mouth as he declared it. Uh, Matthew has a slightly different term, the kingdom of the heavens or the kingdom of heaven uh, in English translations uh, that, that is representing that same idea. And John, theologians agree, uses a totally different phrase to represent the same thing, which is the phrase eternal life. Now think about that. What Jesus just said is the kingdom of God is at hand. And what John would say is, eternal life is at hand. We tend to think of eternal life as something that's way in the future, of something that we will receive when we die. But what Jesus constantly taught was that eternal life is now, that we enter into a new kind of life. So maybe if I was going to uh, kind of loosely translate this into modern American English, it might be something like this. Uh, now's the time. There's a new way to live, so turn from your way and trust my way. Now's the time. There's a new way to live. Turn from your way and trust my way. That process was an immediate call where they left their stuff, their nets, their father, their boats, their servants, and followed him. And so the, the question that would be very natural for you to be asking, hopefully you're already there, is what do I need to leave? If the kingdom of God is such a big deal, if there's a new way to live and Jesus is inviting me into this new way of, li of living, what do I need to leave behind? What are my nets? What are my father? What's my boat? What are my servants? What are the things that I need to leave behind? And it's a good question, a question that you probably already have some stuff percolating in your head, but what would you say if I told you that's not Mark's point? It's not that it's a bad question. It's a question that we should get to but the core of what Mark's saying is not that you should leave something behind, but that you should focus in a different way. The point of Mark's story is not that they left their stuff behind, but that they followed Jesus. The center is Jesus himself. So many of us spend so much time worrying about... Um, how far is too far? How much is too much? How much connection to the world is over the edge? How, how, how much um, worldly connection should I have? Can I listen to that? Can I say that? Can I speak that? Can I watch that? And, and it's not that those aren't valuable things to ask. They're real questions that we should wrestle through. But it's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is not the boundary, but the center point. It's not, it's not how far towards the fence can I get, but it's being drawn again and again back to the center. And that's what happened to these four fishermen. It wasn't that they thought really hard about whether I should leave behind my net or what about the boat or what about my dad. It was, there's new life over here. And so I'm going there. I'm drawn back to the center. 
What's that look like? Well, let me give you an illustration that will maybe help. Um, In his book, Deep Church, a guy named Jim Belcher tells the story of Australian cattle farms. I've never been to an Australian cattle farm. Uh, Anybody been to an Australian cattle farm? Anybody? Uh, Wow. I will, I I just want to volunteer on behalf of York Alliance, if you will send me, I will go look at them for you and uh, represent us well there. Anyway, Australian cattle farms, I, I hear, are really, really huge. Like acres, hundreds and thousands and thousands of acres. So much space that it doesn't make any financial sense to fence them in. And yet, if you're a farmer, you need to keep the cattle that belong to you with you, right? Like, you, you, you need a fence to keep the cattle in, and yet it doesn't make any financial sense to fence the farm. So what do they do? Well, these farmers go to the middle of their property, and they sink a well, and then they bring out water, and they make sure that water is available right there in the center of their property. And what they find is that cattle never go too far away from the source of life. So they wander around a lot, but it's not so much about the fence. It's about the well. When we talk about facing Jesus, what Jesus is calling us to do is not to worry about are we at the edge of the fence or not, but to worry about are we facing center? Are we moving towards the well? And what we want to do, not just this week, but every week at York Alliance, is unapologetically sink a well deep in the center and invite people back. These same disciples, just a few months or maybe a year or so later, would be in the situation with Jesus where he was um, teaching in a way that was uh, making some people really uncomfortable. And people left one after another, dozens and hundreds and thousands left. And there were just a few of them around Jesus. And he said to one of these that he just called, he said, are you guys going to leave too? And he said, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. And and translated, that means we would, because you're driving us crazy too. But you're the well. This is where the water is. This is where we gain life. And so they were drawn back into the center. And so I want to encourage you as we worship this morning to come back to the center, not to worry so much about the borders. We'll talk about that. And and again, those are important questions at some point, but the core of the gospel is the center, not the outsides. And so I want to encourage you to draw your attention back. As we worship this morning, you are welcome at any point in time to come to an altar and to respond, to be prayed for, just to ask some people around you, hey, would you be willing to pray for me? Uh, This is an open and flexible time, so don't feel like you have to follow the rules. Uh, The rules are for us to come to the center and to rejoice in Jesus. So would you pray with me? And then let's continue to worship. Jesus, we thank you that you do alone have the words of life. And so we come back to the center in our hearts and in our spirits to receive from you. And so, God, would you meet us by grace? Would you minister to us? Would you pour out the living water into our souls that we would be refreshed by you? And so, God, we come in lots of different ways. Some of us come from from really, really difficult weeks. Some of us come um, feeling very far from you. Some of us come just longing for you. And some of us come just confused. We're not really sure why we're here, but we know we're here. And so, God, would you meet all of us, wherever we're coming from and however we're coming, would you meet us by your spirit?
pour out your water on us that we would receive life. In Jesus' name, amen.